0: G'day Sports by Fry fans, thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Sports by Fry podcast and YouTube channel. I'm back after a one week YouTube hiatus, sorry I didn't get the round nine video done and dusted, but I'm here with a round 10 wrap up. So we've had 10 weekends of fantasy footy, it's in the books, and we are just one week away from the dreaded buy rounds. Hopefully your team's sitting a little bit prettier than mine. I've got a couple of holes to patch up, but uh, I'm reasonably happy with how I'm heading into the buys. Hopefully I don't get thrown uh, any spanners in the works at team selection time. Big round 10, there were some bloody huge scores from teams out there. And as we've kind of seen in the last few weeks, there's a real clear gap between great teams, good teams, and those kind of in the similar boat as me. So without further ado, let me dive into today's round 10 AFL fantasy track. video slash podcast on a Tuesday if you listen to the Sunday sit down uh, with Jlo and myself you'll know that I was busy on Monday if you didn't it's worth a listen make sure you tune into that podcast every weekend but uh, yeah I'm back on a Tuesday so I've got a little bit more relevant information after the weekend of fantasy footy I'm going to talk about all the trending topics but as per usual I'll start with my team so the Large Horizon Coke managed to top 2100. Didn't look like they were going to get there for a period of time and I was a bit nervous but happy to see the boys get to 2105 for the week. There are a couple of duds around the grounds but starting in defence things went pretty good. Sydney Stack virtually got me a 60 and that's pretty par from rookies. The other guys were fine. Generic hundreds from or close enough to, from uh, Rory Laird and Jake Lloyd but James Sicily on debut was the big talking point. He Came to party, thank God, because uh, the other bloke I traded in didn't really. So I really wanted to get someone with around 12 by into my defence. I tossed up maybe getting Jason Johannesson or Caleb Daniel, but their form hasn't really excited me too much. So I paid up for Sicily, and he went bang in week one. Hopefully he can go well in round 11 and keep up those big scores throughout round 13 and 14 when I got a lot of those other dudes resting. Into my midfield, from a consistency standpoint, everyone was pretty solid. There were no glaring, terrible scores, although Angus Brayshaw just continues to be the bane of my existence. And he's worth so little now that I don't think I'm going to move him on. Others might have differing opinions, but it's good to see Gaffy and Tim Taranto continuing their rich vein of form. Tommy Atkins kind of saved the day. I was relying on Willem Drew or him coming back in to... Uh, Feeling one of those last spots after Will Hayes was dropped. And, yeah, Atkins came up with a 96. I was pretty happy with that, and hopefully he will probably go when it comes to his round 13 buy for me, but I might even utilise him throughout the buys and then flick him on afterwards. So the midfield, while it wasn't an enormous scoring fest in the mids, there were a couple of big ones, and overall pretty content with how things were. The rucks were stellar, as per usual. Jared Witts topped 110, which was great to see. Again, I think I'll stick with him right up until it's time to uh, swap him for Max Gorn at around 13 and 14 bye. Brody Grundy was my skipper. I thought he would monster Cal Sinclair, and he did. Went to 149, was uh, one point off going 150 in back-to-back weeks. Maybe back-to-back-to-back, I think, from memory, the round before last. He had uh, 148 or something like that as well. So, yeah. Former player of the comp right now, there's talks of him being elected as a pig, and I'll be honest, if you don't have him, I would drop everything you're doing and get Brady Grundy into your team. There's not many people in that boat, but there are still some. Things were a bit bare in the forward line this week. Tim Kelly bounced back after his terrible score, but Bokey and Billings were letdowns, and then across the bottom half of my forwards was just a bunch of high 40s, which is a little bit disappointing. I'm not going to go kicking grind Myers and Josh Corbett too much, I mean... What do you expect? Rookies are going to score 40s every now and then. Myers is a bit disappointing, but Jack Zebel was the one that hurts. I didn't, uh, didn't expect a 48 from him and for him to be playing as a full-time forward, but that's what I got on the weekend. Although... I do kind of have some optimism about the scenario because when he was utilized as a midfielder, we saw him score pretty rapidly and got a couple of tackles, marks, kicks. So hopefully, now that Reece Shaw has been handed the coaching reins, we can see, maybe, fingers crossed, he will play more midfield time and as a result, hopefully boost up his scores. I've still got a couple of blokes on my bench throughout multiple lines that I think could come back. Willem Drew and my mids and obviously Dangerfield in my forward line. So that should help strengthen my side. And I think if trades go all right this week, I might be able to move another rookie off my field. So things are looking all right for the large fries and coke. But again, with just one week remaining until the buys, I'll be trying to nail the perfect buy structure. Kicking off the favourite five this week is none other than Brody Grundy. Like I said, form player of the competition, we're running out of adjectives and ways to explain what he's doing from a fantasy perspective. I think he can push his average, I think from memory was about 120 last year. He looks like he can do 130 for this season. He's fantastic. And like I said, if you don't own him, believe it or not, there are coaches out there that don't, then you need to get him into your team, period. I think he is the most important player in the fantasy game. There's plenty of other midfielders putting up these type of numbers, but there's no other Ruckman. No offence, Max Cohen. Plus four goes to a little bit of a unique, but someone that can't really knock his form, and that is Basha Hawley. He was maybe in my trade calculations a few weeks ago, but I am very heavy in the round 14 buy from a defender perspective, so I might have to wait until after around 14 buy to bring him in. I do have some scepticism over his health, because I know that in the past he hasn't been able to string a full season together, but... Yeah, he looks fantastic at the moment. Looks like he's captured that rich vein of form that saw him contend for a Norm Smith medal back in 2017. He's rebounding off the half-back line, getting plenty of marks, and even pushing up the ground into the wing and being the driving force inside 50 for the Tigers. And while they're on fire, I think Hall is going to keep reaping these points. So, definitely a trade candidate if you can. Probably would look to... I don't know. I think, yes, he's a trade candidate, but just proceed with caution. The plus three went to a bit of an unknown this week as well, with Todd Goldstein scoring a round high 153. would have been nice if he could have lent maybe 20 or 30 of those points to Jack Siebel, but I'm not going to talk too much more about him until it's uh, time to get negative. Goldie, on the other hand, very positive sign. There's not too many coaches that would be rolling with Goldstein. I think from memory, it's the first time he scored over 100, or at least top triple figures this season. So... Coaches probably would have given up if you've had him in your classic side. Very handy boost for draft leagues. And I think in classic, you can't consider trading him in. It's too risky unless you want to try and get him as a stepping stone to Grundy or Gorn. But I would advise against that. And if you do have Goldie, then clap it up for him this round, but probably try to upgrade sooner rather than later. Before the season began, I made the pretty bold prediction of saying that he's the best fantasy player in the competition this year. And while injuries kind of ruined his first month or so of footy, he's gone over 100 in every one of his seven games he's played so far this year. He gets a plus two for 135 on the weekend. I know that there's a few coaches out there doing a couple of fist pumps, having brought him back in after his uh, few little injury hiatus, uh, uh, hiatuses. I don't know if that's a word, but after he spent some time on the sidelines he's definitely looking like the player that I thought would be the best player in fantasy this season. I am still slightly concerned about the injury risk, but with Cornelio in and out of the team with his own injury issues and Toronto and Whitfield showing that it doesn't really matter who's in the team they can beast, I think the Giants midfield is just a fantasy points factory. So nothing wrong with targeting Josh Kelly. Again, keep your buys in mind, but once the buys are done, I think uh, Kelly will be in the contention for a top eight midfield. Can't remember off the top of my head if Ricky Henderson has got uh, any shout outs in the favourite five yet this year. I think from memory he might have back a couple of rounds ago when he had a 130 or so, but he gets a plus one this week after another big score, 145 he had in Tassie against Port Adelaide. And while you could argue that James Walpole and Jager Amira are better fantasy players, no Hawk has scored more points than Henderson so far this season is a little bit too risky for mine to advise trading him in. However, if he keeps up these type of numbers, I'm going to have to eat my own words sooner rather than later. Fantastic draft pickup for those that started with him. And if he happens to be sitting on your waiver wire, which is highly unlikely, I would add him yesterday. I know I'm not the only one who brought in Jack Zebel this week, and he's going to kick off the frustrating five with a negative five this week. Again, it's probably not his fault, considering he played about 15 metres out from goal and wasn't allowed to venture any further up the ground the entire game. Hopefully, now that Reece Shaw's got the reins, like I said, he can use a couple more traditional forwards in the forward line, and Zeeva will be roaming the midfield, which I think will happen. I'm not going to hold my breath, though. There's no certainties, and until we see that, I would advise against trading him in. However, if you are an owner, or you brought him in like me stupidly last week, you've got to write it out. We got him for that round 14 bye, so hopefully he can string a couple of games together and worst-case scenario, we'll ditch him in a month's time. This boat was bloody close to getting the negative five this week and there's a few people who hit me up on Twitter and asked me to uh, give Jaeger Amira a special spray, so the negative four goes his way after a 56. The first, maybe five rounds of the season, maybe six. He looked like a unique top eight midfielder and was putting up fantastic numbers. Got a little bit of attention from some opposition and as a result has seen his scores kind of decline but 56. Come on Jaeger, you're better than that. I don't know if it's Jaeger or Jager, but I don't really care until you start scoring back in the triple figures like you really should. Jaeger Ramirez might not have as high an ownership as this bloke and There's a lot more coaches that will have their finger on the trigger after another dud score from Stephen Canelio. Granted, did come via injury, but he was only going at a point per minute. So if he had played 100%, or sorry, let me rephrase that. He was going at a point per percentage of game time. So he scored 69 from 69% time on ground. So if he had played the whole game, he still would have only just got to triple figures going off those numbers. So... We need more out of you, Cornelio. We were expecting you to be a top eight midfielder after the way you started the year. And granted, injuries have kind of quelled his influence recently, but hopefully he can come back and capture some of his more midfield time. I know that he's played a little bit more up forward than owners would have liked. So that is an alarming sign. I wouldn't go trading him out just yet, but yeah, it's justified to rage trade him and explore the idea of moving Cornelio on because if he keeps this up, got to go. The negative two goes to another midfielder who is in top eight contention because of his huge scores and his ceiling. We saw him had 160 against Gold Coast a fortnight ago, but he only managed to drop a 62 this week. Clayton Oliver seems to have caught Angus Brayshaw's disease and uh, forgotten how to football, fantasy football at least. I know, again, similar to Jago Amira, there's not as many coaches out there that will be running with Oliver, but... For a premium midfielder, we can't be having too many of these scores, you got to lift Oliver. I'm running out of ways to uh, try and motivate Angus Brayshaw, so after giving him a negative 5, negative 4, maybe even a negative 3 in the past, I've put him at the bottom of the frustrating 5 to hopefully get a rocket up him and uh, send a message. I don't know what the hell his problem is. It is worth noting though, he did have 53 points in the second half. Uh oh, who'd they play last week? I can't remember blanking at that. but. Regardless, it didn't really matter because Angus Brayshaw wasn't there to be seen for a hell of a lot of the game. I don't think I'm going to move him on personally now that he's dipped under 600 grand. I'll talk a little bit about that soon in Trade Tactics, but... (sighs) Angus Brayshaw, what are we going to do with you? Okay, speaking of, let's jump into some Trade Tactics. Now, the buy rounds are two trades away, so if you have not done any planning for them, then... It's not yet time to panic, I would be a little bit concerned, but you do have two trades to climb, shuffle around some things, and then you have three trades starting next week for rounds 12, 13, and 14. For those who aren't aware, during the buy rounds, your best 18 players' scores count, so... Obviously, if you're rolling out 20, 21 dudes every weekend, then it is kind of a bit of a luxury, and not many coaches will be in that position, but it is a good thing, because then you can obviously have a few extra scores that will just get pushed to the side, and hopefully, you'll be able to take some uh, decent scores from good players, so I think that regarding the buys, it's a bit of a bad idea to trade in blokes who have the round 12 buy this week, considering they're not going to be playing next week, I know they'll be playing in round 11, but... It's a wise idea to wait until round 13, in my opinion. Obviously, there's circumstances that will change everything. And if you're going to try and land a superstar and maybe you don't have Trevor Boak already in your forward line, I'm not saying don't get him. But, yeah, it's wise to probably pump the brakes a little bit on those round 12 guys. One bloke in particular who I was looking at bringing in is Zach Merritt. Kind of sucks I'd have to wait another week to potentially snag him, but he could be worth the wait. Similar with Jack McRae. Hopefully, this week he shows more signs of life and can put up a good score. And then we'll have his round 12 buy and he's perfect trade candidate to bring in off the buyers. For that reason, if you're looking at doing a mega upgrade for potentially someone with a sore hamstring that I'll talk about in a few moments' time, I would look to get Andrew Gaff with a round 13 buy. Maybe even Mitch Duncan, who has a round 13 buy. They might probably favourite two targets for the round 13 blokes. And round 14, you've got to get Lockie Whitfield. He's someone that I don't have and will be... uh, Hard-pressed to avoid trading him in this week. Failing that, you can probably try and snap a discounted Cripper, Lockie Neal, I know he has round 13, sorry, maybe Matt Crouch if he comes back. But yeah, round 12 blokes, I think it's safe to wait on them. Pointing my attention to some rookie downgrade targets, we've got a few blokes in the mix, which is something at least. We haven't had a few uh, trade candidates in recent times. So I'm glad to see Oscar Baker and Mitchell Hinge looking like actual footballers in their second games respectively. They scored a 72 and a 68 from memory. So Hinge is a bloke with around 13 by that you could target in your defence, while Baker is someone with around 13 bloke that you could target in your midfield. But around 12 dude who, even though I just have said avoid round, trading in round 12 blokes, uh, in Brent Bewley will be a popular downgrade target if, fingers crossed, he holds his spot in the Dockers outfit. He only had a 38 on the weekend, but he did look poised using the footy, and when the game was there to be won, there were a couple of kicks that he had that were a little bit risky, but he pulled them off to some excellent uh, with some excellent foot skills. So hopefully that's enough for Ross Lyon to give him another chance. If not, he might be worth looking at after the round twelve buy. If he comes in round thirteen or fourteen, he could be another downgrade target. Like I said, it is slim picking, so I wouldn't go advising trading in a bloke against trading in a bloke who hasn't played yet this season. I think it's a little still a bit too early in the year to throw away bench spots. There were a few people who told me that they've been sitting with Brent Bewley all season or most of the season on their midfield bench. So they're a bit lucky for him to come in and I think it's wise to target those three as downgrade targets. There isn't a hell of a lot else that I like. I know that with the mid-season draft having just taken place, there might be a few rookies that enter over the next couple of weeks during the buys into the fray as potential downgrades. I'll cover all of them and all the relevant rooks in my weekly dream team talk cash cows guide which will be up tomorrow morning so you can check that out see if there's any other blokes you can target but for now I think those three are the only ones that can be trusted without question Tom Rockleaf's hamstring is the biggest discussion point heading into round 11 he did his hammy and still managed to score a 91 went off the ground had it tested still looked a bit proppy went back on and laid a couple of tackles but then was uh, put in a tracksuit for the rest of the day. However, Port Adelaide said he still is going to fly to China. They play St Kilda in China this round. So we're going to have to wait till Sunday. Oh, sorry, he's playing on Sunday. So we're going to have to wait till Friday to see the confirmed teams. And they're going to give him every chance to play. Seems like it's a bit of a line ball at the moment. And personally, I sit in the trade out Rocky Camp. While you can still get into something decent. I know I got burnt a little bit by this by not trading Angus Brayshaw in the last few weeks. I think... Trading Rocky while he's still sitting around the 700 grand mark, he's might not play next week, he's definitely not playing the week after that. Get a bloke in the 13 or 14 buy who can give you guaranteed points for the next few weeks and who knows, by the time Rocky comes off his buy he might have a big break even, you can watch him play Frio and Geelong and he settles and then you can bring him back into your outfit. That's what I plan to do and I think trading him out is the way to go. There are a few premium blokes that have kind of given a rev up uh, in the last oh, 10 or so minutes and. I think it's wise to hold on to these guys and focus really for the next three rounds on trading out the blokes who aren't playing and maximizing players on the ground especially during these buys it's crucial if you can have maybe even 19 players playing and all of a sudden someone gets injured on an 11 that score's wiped out of your best 18 so every player on your field really does matter unless you have a bit of a luxury trade i wouldn't go moving on angus Brayshaw. like i said he's not worth a hell of a lot Jack Siebel, similar boat. Maybe his role will change or something different will happen. Now, Rhys is the coach, so we've got to at least see that through if you are an owner. And even struggling premiums like Cornelio and Jack McRae, who I haven't talked about a hell of a lot, but hasn't looked like the world beater that we uh, all thought he would be. He was cost nearly a million dollars to start the season and hasn't looked much like it. I know that his streak of hundreds uh, was pretty consistent right up until last week. So it's a tricky time, and I know that it's tempting to try and upgrade one of these guys to the likes of Gaff or Whitfield and if you've got nothing better to do and it does suit your buy structure I'm not saying don't do it but I think maximizing players on your ground is crucial for the next few weeks so for that reason I'd probably hold off trading these premium types The similar can be said with some of these rookies that we've seen plug away through our teams for the majority of the season that's like Michael Gibbons uh, a bloke like Cal Wilkie in defence, Tom Atkins as well. Those three have pretty much been playing the whole season. And for that reason, I advise holding on to them at least until they're by. Maybe by then there'll be some other fresh meat that you can trade to, but their spot in the side is fairly secure, so I'd advise to keep them for at least two scores in the next three weeks when the buy rounds do hit. However, there are a few cash cows that I think it is wise to trade on. Jack Petricelli and Matthew Parker have been in uh, West Coast and St Kilda's outfit respectively for most of the season. But I think their race is done. You don't really want another 30 or 40 on your field. You can accept it from Gibbons and Atkins because they've shown the ability to go big. But I think between them, Parker and Petricelli have only gone over 80 probably once this year, maybe twice. I would also look to trade out Jack Scrimshaw. He's someone that I offloaded a few weeks ago before all these injury issues surfaced and... Yeah, I don't really trust him. Uh, got the round 12 buy as well. He's a perfect trade-out candidate to get someone like Mitch Hinge in your back line. Finally, call me a hater. I'm not a fan of Jay Lockhart. I'm sorry. I know it might be an unpopular take, but I don't trust him. After his 190-odd that he had a couple of weeks ago, he's gone back-to-back back 40s. I kind of called it. I kind of saw it coming. I don't want to call myself Nostradamus, but... He can't really be trusted, especially throughout these buy rounds. I think even though he has, like I've said, cemented his spot in the side, I think if you're going to get rid of someone, he's probably the bloke to do it. Granted, he does have defence and midfield status, which can be a very handy link during those buy rounds. So make your own call on it. But if I was an owner, I'd be flicking him out. <laughs> Wave away a time. Now, apologies, because I'm recording this on a Tuesday, some of these blokes that I'm going to talk about might have already been snapped up. But... If not, stop listening to the pod, stop watching the video and go and act accordingly. First bloke I'm going to talk about who's someone that I snagged in one of my leagues this weekend is Chape Wingard, who with midfield forward status and hopefully a little bit of an uptick in midfield time as he strings some games together, knock on wood, I think Wingard will be around an 80 average, maybe push up to 90 and he could be someone that is utilised in your forward line. I had Injuries to Joe Danaher and Jake Stringer in one of my deeper leagues. So I was surprised to find Wingard available. He's in about 54% of leagues. Might have changed since the restricted free agency lifted. But he's someone that I definitely would covet. I've been driving the Braden Parfait train all season. And his ownership is still under 40%. So, again, I'd hate to call a draft bloke a safe 80. But I think that he can definitely provide that for your forward line. In the back line, Darcy Byrne-Jones Probably not going to be around 57% ownership he had when I wrote the article before free agency lifted. So, again, probably not going to be in a hell a lot of waiver wires. but he went 126 for a season-best game on the weekend, and I think he can string together a couple of solid performances, maybe like Parfitt, get you around a 75-80 average. If the Ruck Department is where you need help, then Callum Coleman-Jones might be able to hold his spot until Nankervis comes back and play that second fiddle, or maybe main fiddle, to Noah Bolter, I haven't really been keeping too much up with uh, Bolter and Coleman-Jones' rough rotations, but Colin jones is only in like 6% of leagues, and it might be desperate, but if you're in a really deep league and you've been hit by injury, there's someone that you could plug in to maybe get you a couple of games at least. A lesser-owned midfielder, only about a quarter of teams around the world, is Sam Powell Pepper, Big draft sleeper, in my opinion, Sam Palpepper. He always tends to throw up a 40 or a 50, but... He has his generic game where he'll have 15 tackles a season and post at 130, and his average hovers around the, I want to say low 80s, but he's someone, you need these types of depth pieces to help you build a draft winner, and he's someone that's in a few of my leagues, and I do like the looks of. Similar with Levi Greenwood, who started to piece a couple of good games together. He's got defender status, might be eligible for midfield elevation in round 12, so that's next week, actually, yeah. So he might get defence and midfield status, which could be very handy. And lastly, a bit of a random left to field bloke, but Riley Knight for the Crows just seems to be a staple in their best 22. We'll throw up a 60, we'll throw up a 90, and we'll probably average somewhere smack bang in the middle. Before I wrap this thing up, let me talk about my moves for the week. Whitfield is coming in barring anything crazy for Tom Rockcliffe. That's my first move. And the second move will di- be dictated a little bit by team selection and a little bit of buy structure. I've got Currently, if I do that first trade, then I'll have a defense midfield link in my midfield, which will be handy, having Whitfield and Stack and Noah Answorth in my back line. In my forwards, I have, I think most of them are mid-forwards, and in my midfield, I have two mid-forwards there, so I've got plenty of flexibility, so that kind of allows me to go a downgrade in a lot of different directions. At the moment, I've gone Will Hayes to Brett Bewley, but... There's no guarantees that that will be the move I do pull the trigger on. I might go Lockie Young to someone like Mitch Hinge in my back line. I might ax Willem Drew if he's not named. So I've got some options, but I think I'll do a one up, one down traditionally. If there is some more fresh meat that comes through, I might even look at doing a double downgrade, but I am, as I've talked about in the camp of trading out Tommy Rockliffe, even if he does play in China. So for that reason, I think turning him into Whitfield is a win-win. <laughs> that is the round 10 wrap up. Thank you for tuning in. Again, apologies for the hysteria around the YouTube videos for the last week or so. Like I'm recording this on a Tuesday. Fingers crossed I can get it edited and produced for the World Wide Web and post it on Wednesday morning. Wednesday morning also is the same time that my Dream Team Talk. Cash Cows Guide is out, so you can check that out. Hopefully by then I'll have a little bit of information on some of the new AFL draftees for the mid-season draft. There's 13 new blokes that are coming in. Most of them are about 170K basement players, but if they've had previous AFL experience like Josh DeLuca, Cam I can't remember if there's any others, but their price is a bit inflated. I know that Warnie's working on a piece to potentially roll out this week before lockout round the numbers from all those guys. So I'll try and plug a few little tidbits into my Rookie Cash Cows guide. Again, you can hit me up on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, Uh, fax machine, pigeon mail whatever you want, if you have any questions ahead of lockout, but good luck for round 11, the last chance you get to prep your team before the buyers, so act accordingly, good luck for the buyers because uh, when they hit I know, just like myself, uh, everyone will be in panic station, so until next time, thanks for tuning in Peace